For me, connection is the shortest definition of healing. So both the connection within the true of who I am, as well as the connection to other people, we were not meant to do this alone. So the again and again gift of on-site that I get to see is that we do this connecting with who I truly am, the rediscovering of the authentic self, in a way that has other people coming along for the journey, in a way that allows me to see you and receive your reflection of me. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. And I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. Today on the Living Centered Podcast, we're welcoming one of our clinical team members, Christine Jackson. Christine is a clinical supervisor at OnSite, leading and overseeing many of our in-person, group, experiential programs. During this interview, Miles and Lindsay sat down with Christine to learn a little bit more about how she discovered her passion for helping and what she loves most about her role as a therapist. She also shared how she's utilizing her expertise to cultivate a brand new offering at OnSite called Rediscovering You Live, helping people reconnect to themselves and pursue the future they've always wanted to live. I love how we wrapped up this interview. Christine walked us through a mindfulness exercise intended to help you create a few moments of reconnection and recalibration in your day. Don't miss it. Welcome our friend and colleague, Christine Jackson. One of my favorite things about the Living Center podcast is uh, the conversations that we get to have and what we typically talk about, but we often get to talk to the people that we get to work with. And that is something we wanted to do when Lindsay and I were talking up front, Mackenzie, we were saying, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if we could highlight and introduce people to some of our, I don't even want to say talent, even though you're one of the more talented people I know, but just the people we care about and the people we get to do life with and work with. And we know you do so many amazing things here on campus by leading workshops, but we've also gotten to know you and your heart and you're just incredibly special. Such a big part of the clinical leadership here at OnSite. And I'm really excited for the Living Centered Podcast audience to get to hear more from Christine today. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm both humbled and honest and very honestly humbled to be here and be sitting with both of you. So Christine, it's so fun. I don't think I know how you got into counseling as a profession. (laughs) I probably got there by way of the way that many of us get there, the wounded warriors that take our woundedness first into trying to be a warrior for others. I know that from an early age, I loved people. There's an often told and retold story that when I was growing up way out in this rural part in Idaho where no one came and you have to kind of take a left at the llamas to go down the dirt road and then (laughs) find us, that there was a Maytag repairman way back then in those days that actually came to your house and knocked at the door. And it was so exciting for me that there was a knock at the door and this big man in an outfit and I raised up my arms at four years old and said, oh, hold me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so oh. I think it was my approach to life to open up my arms and mm. see where I could 
be held. And unfortunately, that's kind of the way I went into therapy. Like, oh gosh, people hold space for me. What the heck does that mean? I know it feels good. And then I wanted to learn how to do that for others. Mm. You remember that? You have that memory at four? I remember it being so excited because no one ever came to our house. So I do remember the looming figure of a Maytag repairman. And then, of course, me getting into actual therapy was a very odd bet I had with my father that I was determined to go any other direction than college and certainly did not want to go into anything as maybe eh, as social work, but I was in college as a theater arts major, and in my family, you got to figure out something that's going to make you a little more money than that. So I began to feel the pressure, and I made a bet with my father. I said, um, I'll submatriculate into the graduate school of social work, and if I get in, I'll go. And if I don't, you will never bother me about graduate school again. I figured I could do the social part. I do like to work a little bit. I have no <laughs> idea what those two are together, but I knew it involved people. And I thought I had it licked because they had just started that program. And so they were only accepting two people. You had to have a 4.0. I didn't have one. But there was some interview process where they said, what, what, what do you love about people? And I just lit up and somehow got in. So... I lost the bet and won the love of a profession and a passion where I guess my authenticity as a person is invited as an invitation for other people to lean into that same place. So what do you love about people? (laughs) I love that people are a whole combination of goodness maybe even wrapped up and maybe even obscured by messages and wounds that just bump it around life. We're going to come to a place where we're going to have some scar tissue. And for me, it's the biggest beautiful gift to lean in, to unwrap, to see, to hold the unfolding of who people really are. Mm. It's like a never-ending adventure that always at the center, there's something really good. You're in. You get to go to social work school again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was powerful. I can see why. You mentioned in the beginning of the interview uh, that got that image of your four-year-old holding your arms up for the Maytag guy. And you talked about how holding space is really, you value it. It's important. Mm -hmm. Say more about what is holding space for you or how would you describe that? Holding space is probably a clinical term, and I know what it feels like. And it feels like when someone really leans in, and you do, both of you, this very well, that when I am in the room with you, I feel like I am seen. And it also feels like I can lean in and maybe even be willing to risk telling you the things that I'm not so proud of. I often say around here that I have a special gift of making almost anything awkward. It's just a gift I have (laughs) that I can take any moment at a little awkward sauce and people, you know, it's a beautiful moment. And then I'll be like, ah, I'll laugh really big or I'll snort when I giggle. And it will just take that one moment into another moment of add some awkwardness. And I think it's that beautiful gifting of that holding a space for true hearts to connect 
and to see at that level, both the intention level and also the fullness. It's not despite you that I love you and see you. It's because of who you are that you are welcome into the space that we're about to share together. It's that kind of being held. I do think having been around a lot of different clinicians, like one thing I really appreciate about you is sort of what you're speaking to, this curiosity that you have about people (laughs) and just this inherent belief that there's good in people. And, And you see that in you that you're softened and tendered instead of calloused. Has that been a battle for you to keep that spirit of openness? I I think I know that the reality of your day-to-day must be you're holding a lot of heavy burdens for people. And you probably hear of, you know, things that could make someone disenchanting, seemingly. Mm -hmm. How do you keep that curiosity in? For me, Lindsay, it's that thing that someone says that may or may not be disenchanting that makes me awe at the person who is holding that experience or even that definition of themselves or that moment as disenchantment. So if someone were, I just had an experience today where I was outside and someone came up to me and said, you know, I just wanted to come and take a moment of your time because it seems like the way that you speak, I could maybe even say this thing. And I said, sure. And he said, I I don't often get to say, I don't even know if I can say the very shameful parts that I'm holding, Mm. particularly around my sexuality. And I looked at him and I thought, you know, the fact that you just did that with me not only means that you can, but that whatever that thing is that we hide in the shadow parts of ourselves is nothing compared to the light of who we are. So the heaviness is just the carrying of the burden. It's not the whole of the context. So as I draw out the lens or maybe conversely focus in on the heart, it's incredible to me that, yes, I cry many days when I'm working here at OnSite because I can't help but to feel it. And I'm in the presence of people who have the bravery to feel it, to heal it. Yeah. It's incredible. It's a real gift. You mentioned the, you re, I think you referenced the wounded warrior part that you get into the space, mm-hmm. um, whatever you'd be comfortable with, but share a little bit more about just Christine. Like what, what got you here? What got you interested in guiding people into that sacred spot you're talking about? Well, that little girl who was four had one favorite dress and no favorite shoes. And holding my arms out to the world, of course, I came into my own bumps and bruises with both experiences and people. So I have an older brother, and I have a twin sister, and I have a younger brother. So a lot of personalities competing for the same space in the same family with two wonderful parents. And just by the sheer numbers of it, I think I craved connection and wandered in the world, both literally and metaphorically from that point on with bare feet and a dress on. So thought that I had to be something to show the world, this is the pretty side of me. And yet I will take off my shoes at a moment's notice just to feel the grass underneath and country girl to heart. 
I think that in that dichotomy, trying to figure out who I was in the world, there was something about both my open-heartedness and being in the world that rubbed against it in a way that, of course, I got some bruises and bumps. And I kept trying to figure out, I think, at first, who do I need to be in order to survive this world? So I put on a cleaner dress. I tried out shoes, super uncomfortable. <laughs> and yet, it wasn't the outside that needed to change. So I went through some experiences, and it wasn't until I was hitting that point of graduate school that we were probably forced to, or that's what it felt like, do therapy as a way of continuing our education. We had to be on the other side of the couch. And that's when I began to go, oh, okay, and began a profession. It wasn't, unfortunately, until 12 years later that I bumped into on-site, and that's when the true education or the letting go of the miseducation of myself began so that I can truly be who I am. The journey of authenticity at on-site radically changed everything in my life, my personal, my professional, my dreams, my hopes, the longings of my heart that I had not yet realized. All of that shifted when I got to come to on-site. Mm. How'd you find us? How'd you find on-site? <laughs> Some well-meaning people in my profession mm. uh, said, if you're going to be a professional and you want to do your work, this is the place to do it. Mm. And people kept talking about this place on-site, but I was perfectly happy for the first 12 years going up and down the coast of California, loving the weather, finding sand underneath my bare feet. And yet the poll and enough wise people said on-site that I said, well, I could go. I was not brave enough to come for myself. I came for a professional workshop, <laughs> emphasis training. on the professional and the training and my curiosity to learn outweighed my bravery to be who I really was at that time in my life. So, and now full circle, you're here full-time leading part of our clinical initiative. So what's it, what's it like, you know, to be um, on, uh, well, first as an independent entrepreneur, and then you made the transition to contracting with us, um, and now you're here full-time. Tell, tell us what it's like. Uh. From that professional training, I knew I needed to do a whole lot of personal work mm. to be eligible in my own mind to sit at the table. And it wasn't in the same framework as my usual, gosh, I don't belong here. It wasn't the smallness in me that I can go to that says, ooh, I'm not sure you belong. I'm not th sure that you have enough of good things to say or enough wisdom or enough smarts or whatever I think I'm not enough around. It was... I am blown away by what happens here, and I want to learn and do more because I want to give to a place that is so beautiful at giving to others. So I kept doing my own work until I think it was about three years after that professional training that I came back and my first time being an on-site contracted guide and all the way through. I remember in graduate school going, how do you fill 50 minutes, mm -hmm. a 50-minute hour of a session by leaning in and having people really express what's going on with them? And here we are for six and a half days <laughs> <laughs> just going, all right, let's do this. And it, it was almost this 
professional muscle that I needed to grow as well as tremendously this personal authenticity, mm. giving myself permission to show up as I was and letting that be enough so that I could get out of my own way in order to serve those who came. And I remember at the time I was early on in a marriage to a true Southern California a man who kept saying, why do you keep going to this rural, what do you call, Cum where is, I can't even find it on a map. What is Cumberland Furnace, Tennessee? And said, why are you leaving the beach, which you obviously love so much, to go to this place once a month? And he's funnier than me and always, but funnier at telling this story and says, you know, you got to wonder why your wife goes to this place, come back glowing once a month and won't tell you much about it, just um, comes back so alive. And so eventually he got that thing about, I need to figure out what's going on there because I would just come back better, mm. um, better as a human, for sure better as a professional, and having had the experience to sit around with the best of the best, and I'm biased, of people and professionals who are willing to do the work themselves and on themselves to be able to hold the depth of the work for others, mm. which is one of your statements. We cannot take people deeper and farther than we're willing to go ourselves. Mm. So eventually he came and figured out what Cumberland, Tennessee was all about. And I remember him texting me all the way up the hill saying, what did you think I would like about this place? <laughs> who do I need to talk to to get out of here? Five days later, that phone rang, and it's just that part where you know who's on the other end of the line. So I remember being at work in the midst of a staff meeting and saying, excuse me, I know that's my husband. I'm going to have to pick it up. And I picked up the phone, and he just said, I'm so sorry, and I love you so much. And I'm not going to spend too many words on this. I just can't wait to come home and show you. Mm. And I thought, okay. If this kind of miracle happens for this guy, <laughs> then maybe, just maybe, it's the gift that I keep seeing. It is an invitation to all. doesn't matter age, color, size, creed, ethnicity, faith, belief. It is truly an inclusive gift. Hey there. Later in this episode, you're going to hear from Christine about a brand new offering from Onsite that she's been a part of building called Rediscovering You Live. Rediscovering You Live is a three-day workshop we'll be hosting at The Oaks, a stunning, serene 240-acre campus in San Diego County. If this year has left you feeling aimless, stuck, and wondering what to do next, like so many of us, this workshop is designed to help you make sense of what's holding you back and move forward with a renewed sense of clarity and direction toward the future you've always wanted to live. This workshop will help you identify what's working and what's not working in your life, deepen connection and understanding with yourself and others, explore how the past might affect your present and future, and get clarity on where you want to go and how to get there. Head to onsiteworkshops.com slash rediscovering you live to learn more. We hope to see you in May in California. What do you think it is about sort of that onsite experience that is so transformative for you and for Kelly, your husband. And Aww. could you put it into words, the awesome sauce that is the onsite experience? I think we've named a couple of it that there's a whole bunch of people, whether you're a professional coming here to work or whether you're a person who's wanting something different than you have, 
or being willing to risk, I'll go ahead and check it out (laughs) based on the very forceful suggestion of someone else. I think there's that on the other side of risk, there's gifts. Mm. And on the other side of being willing to surrender, there's an openness. And on the other side of all of that, since we've all come to this place, being willing to just travel a little bit, metaphorically barefoot with each other, in front of each other, seeing each other differently than we typically do in life, something happens where we get to see through the eyes of love with our heart into the hearts of others. And all the stuff that keeps us so different and separate and discontented and diseased begins to drop away to the beauty that is the truth that is love. Mm. Well said. Of everything, there's a lot that we do here, a lot that we specialize in and try to support people with. And I know you carry a lot of that, meaning you teach and uh, talk about multiple topics as it relates to mental and emotional health and wellness. If you could just teach, if you had one talk or one topic that uh, stands out as your favorite, like if, if I could just talk about one thing, if I only could talk about one thing, this would be what it would be. Hmm. If I'm allowed to cheat and use a very big phrase, I would call it connection. Hmm. And for me, connection is the shortest definition of healing. So both the connection within the true of who I am, as well as the connection to other people, we were not meant to do this alone. So the again and again, gift of onsite that I get to see is that we do this connecting with who I truly am, the rediscovering of the authentic self in a way that has other people coming along for the journey, in a way that allows me to see you and receive your reflection of me. When I lay my vulnerability right here in between us and you lean back in and tell me that all the stuff that is what I thought goobly gobbly gook underneath the messages that no longer serve me, if we can have the space to dig down to what is true, And you reflect that as beautiful. And somehow I believe you when you say that because you have laid down your mess. And it turns out the mess is not the whole definition of who you are. turns out that the beauty of who you are and the beauty of who I am is way bigger than mess. I can be messy, but that doesn't make me a mess. Mm. You know, we teach in a different kind of way here. We try to do a lot more showing and interaction and experiential. It's one of the things we're known for, but you know, we, a lot of people uh, mistake onsite as it's all we do is experiential. And actually we're multidimensional. There's a lot of different therapeutic and change techniques that we might integrate into a process, but we try as much as we can to come through uh, an experiential framework with how we talk and teach and share Uh, Why is that important to you? I know it's important to me because I was raised in a very smart family. And no amount of book smarts ever taught me who I was as much as having the experience of being willing to risk being who I truly am in front of the gaze and the loving, kind gaze of another. So there's something that happens. I can 
outthink or outthunk or justify or rationalize any of my bad behavior. And yet my bad behavior is still not the true of who I am. There's something that's driving that. And I appreciate other people, Cindy Westcott included, who you've had on the Living Centered podcast, has really, for me, framed it as every behavior makes sense in the context of knowing what we're trying to do to survive, show up, and be seen. There's something about experiential that for me, thinking I was a smarty, smarty pants, never got me anywhere but trying to desperately climb a ladder of achievement that for me at the time got me farther and farther away from the truth of who I am. None of those letters brought me to who I really wanted to be in the world, which is more closely aligned with who I truly am. And it was on site that for me, I had this experience where we might do a lot of things that promote people to get on the edge of a discomfort in order to change. But no matter what the invitation is and how far people are willing to go here in order to have that experience, I know one thing for sure. We will give them an experience of being loved on, or at least mm. try to begin to, I think I've heard you say this, Miles, ruin the idea that they're truly unlovable. Mm. Just by the way that people are from the hospitality to the grounds to the baby goats that we now get to see on campus, there's something about this environment truly physical, emotional space that makes it safe for me to show up. And that safety it resoundingly gives people the experience that as I show up, I invite other people to do the same. And in that showing up, it turns out that we're more alike than we're not. And in the likeness that we're more alike than we're not, it turns out that we're all just have that goodness at the center of who we are. I was talking to some of the guides at lunch today about a different clinical modality. And I was saying, I was saying, I want to try it sometime, but I'm scared that I would be too skeptical to like really dive into it. And they were like, oh, it's just the same as when you're doing experiential. It's like you, you're embodying yourself in a way that you sort of have to take off your filters of skepticism mm -hmm. or disbelief. And it just reminded me of, oh yeah, I, I kind of know when I'm not overthinking it, my body can reveal so much or I, I can start to, when I start to release some of my defense mechanisms, I can find out truths that I might've never discovered. Yes. And you just said it when I'm not overthinking it, that's that head. When I can get my heart involved in the journey, Miles, you often say that the longest journey most of us take is that 17 inches between head and heart. When I can come from the unifying force and not let the head tell me all the things, carrying all the messages, carrying my itty shitty bitty committee all in <laughs> the conference room with me, that I begin to go from a place that can experience it differently through the experience. And it's almost like I am invited to experiential because it's spontaneous and it goes and flows faster than my brain can conceptualize or try to make sense of yeah, or manipulate. Manipulate. At least for me. <laughs> I didn't mean to project that Excuse onto you. Excuse me. No, it's so <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> the, um, we say this sometimes in our training, too, that uh, when we uh, say something to someone, it can activate like a third of their brain. When we show it to them in picture, it activates two-thirds. And when we make it kinesthetic, 
and put it into action, it activates all of it. Instead of talking into one part of the brain, it's actually, let's expand this out a little bit and have a little bit deeper conversation, which, by the way, is a big part of what we've been creating, that you've been a big part of spearheading in a new initiative and program called Rediscovering You. And I want to talk a little bit about that before we wrap up, because it is kind of taking the best often of what we see experiential and all these sub narratives that we have. And we very rarely invite um, a three dimensional, three dimensional look or another uh, person into the mix to have conversations. And one of the things we're going to do, obviously we've got a framework built out about rediscovering you. It's pretty cool, but we're going to invite people into processes like that. Yes. And I love it from the name rediscovering you. It it turns out I've been there all along, but maybe mm-hmm. I haven't been whispering enough or hearing the whispers around me. And just to name before we go too far away from that piece that if I am coming into the space that you so generously gave us in this example, Lindsay, typically onsite is matching the language of what makes sense for you. So we are a faith inclusive program, but that does not mean that we exclude anyone, including, I just, I guess I wanted to add because I had someone come up to me and so generously say two days ago that I'm so glad there's a place for me because I'm an atheist and I was very scared to come here and that my non-belief would make me non-part of. So just in that example, I want to say that it's, Typically, we begin to make this experiential thing work differently for us because do you know that there's this part of the ear that they just discovered like two, less than two decades ago that likes the sound of your own voice? It and does. it calms you down just to hear it. But if we can speak to ourselves or hear the whispers in a language that would really make sense to us, that's what it's about. So I wanted to add that. And I love that in... This program, Onsite at Large, Rediscovering You specifically as well, that we get to be the Play-Doh, that we get to Mm. use other people and the reflections to mold and create something that's been in my brain the whole time. And gosh, me too. And that we can have a collective experience by participating in something that turns out is more universal than not, because I don't know about you, but I have those days where I'm not sure I'm enough. (laughs) Mm. I have a lot of those days. I think um, having worked with you on sort of building out the course, I love we created an online version and now we're going to do it live at the Oaks in May and maybe a couple other times this year. But what's so cool about the live format is we had a lot of people when they were doing the digital version that were wanting more time to process. They were lacking sort of the self-drive to keep moving through the curriculum and just wanting community to process with. And so that's what we're gonna do together at the Oaks. And sort of like this conversation, we'll sort of start by in today, and then we'll like move back into the past and really start to connect the dots about who people are, where messages came from, what could be holding them back so that they feel really clear about where they wanna go and how to get there. I love that. May rhymes with, oh, yay. I am very excited to May be a California. part of it. California. Well, yeah, there's nothing bad in that sentence. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. 
This Thank was you. a pleasure. It always is to sit with you. And uh, I'm glad our folks will get to know you a little bit more. And I can't wait to see what happens with rediscovering you and all things, Christine, that we're doing here on campus. Thank you very much. For the next five to six minutes, we invite you to set aside the worry and busy of today and begin to reconnect through this guided meditation. Christine will be using an analogy at the core of the Rediscovering You Live framework. Oftentimes, we get distracted and lose sight of the things that keep us grounded. For the next few minutes, if you are able, accept this invitation to shift your focus inward and lean into your most authentic self so that you can show up for the people and things that matter most to you. Truly, this is a grounding exercise that can be utilized anytime, anywhere. It takes less than five minutes for us to come back to the whole of who we are. And one of the exercises that we use in Rediscovering You is the analogy of an oak tree. And that analogy is that deep within the roots, deep within the acorn, the blueprint of the oak is always there. Just as in in each of us, innately, there is a blueprint for the whole of us. So the rediscovering you concept is it's in us all along. And this is a breathing exercise to reconnect and to even come from that place so that the wholeness of my blueprint gets to be the whole of how I show up. So as we get comfortable, and perhaps if you're in a place where your shoulders can raise up to drop again, to invite a posture and a stance of open-hearted comfort, then we take a breath to allow the present moment to settle our sediment, And soften our gaze. And if you're driving, keep those eyes open. (laughs) But begin to have an inward look of softened gaze. Which also means maybe letting whatever is coming up, come up without judgment. Just awareness. And perhaps even acceptance. And as we let breath commingle with the present moment letting exhale be the settling, then calling to mind that we are in our deepest blueprint, a mighty oak. So breathing into our roots, exhaling deeply, letting those roots drive deeply underneath the earth, which allows me to be aware that I'm always standing on the shoulders of ancestors and guides, wise ones and warriors, and that I am never alone. And allowing breath to draw up through those roots, gathering the strength of all those and that which came before to help me be here and now. And on the next breath, drawing in and upward into my own trunk, the sturdy, stabilizing life force that is me. Seemingly always reaching towards the sunlight. Letting rain be nourishing, letting weather 
be an invitation to keep growing and keep going. And letting the exhale drive deeply, drawing up strength through roots and trunk, all the way up through that heart-centered place, ever-expanding, and letting ourselves reach out from that heart space and letting that be the invitation to branches growing up and out. Truly beginning to feel that the branches reach and embrace and are often the place where the signs of life and the telltale signs of season are represented. Sometimes there's a bud of new leaves. Sometimes there's a falling away. And always there are branches that are reaching and supporting and representing the growth that is continuing. Exhaling through all of those places and spaces and letting the inhale be the breath that goes up through roots to trunk, to branches, to the canopy of the sky itself, reaching up and towards and in our branches, in our growth, seeking the light around and above us. What are those things, those people, those experiences that help us grow and connect? And truly, oak trees grow better within a grove of other oak trees, just as we tend to grow within the reflection and protection of others around us. So enjoying the embrace, the connection, the nourishing sunlight, and allowing all of that to go through and exhale deeply again through heart space and trunk and roots again. Knowing from the top of our oak to the bottom of our roots, we are not alone and not meant to be. As we do this journey together, as we continue to recognize the blueprint of the oak within us, let us represent that to others around us. Softening gaze, coming back to this moment, and maybe even being intentional about what you pull into your roots in this moment. Thank you. If you want to learn more about OnSite and our various in-person, online, and digital offerings, please go to OnSiteWorkshops.com. At OnSite, we have seen that enhancing emotional health changes lives and helps us collectively create a more empathetic and more self-aware world. Our unique and proven therapeutic framework and healing hospitality can help you find the emotional wellness you deserve.
When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.